Welcome to Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Feedback can be emailed to usagipodcast at gmail.com or left on the website at bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. Ronin Rabbit has a Google Plus page and episodes are posted on Facebook on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo page. In this episode, 59, the book is Usagi Yojimbo Volume 2, Issue 3 that I'll be looking at, cover dated July 1993 from Mirage Publications. It had two stories, Shades of Green Part 3, which is a continuation, and a shorter young Usagi tale, Autumn. Now the book opens with, well actually before I get to that first, uh, there's something that I failed to mention in the first couple episodes. For episode 57, the volume 2, issue 1 book that I spoke of, that was originally published in color. Uh, subsequent issues and previous issues, except for certain special instances, have been in black and white. So that was uh, kind of a change. I don't think that I really enjoyed it because I have very much grown accustomed to Usagi Ojimbo being black and white. Plus, I think being color takes away from the black and white pencils uh, and inks that Mr. Sakai does so well. So I wasn't a big fan. That might be why I just didn't think of mentioning it. But the first issue of the Mirage run of Usagi was in full color, full color for the time. So wanted to get that out there. Now our story here for issue three opens with a couple panels just showing countryside as it's zooming in in essence, and then you zoom in a little bit more, and you have a ninja that is on sentry duty, and then a little bit more zoomed in, you get to the deserted temple that the Nikko ninja are using as their base. Inside, we see that Kashir Chisu and Gunji are having a uh, a conversation. It's rather one-sided, actually, because Gunji is starting to assert himself as the true leader of the Nikko ninjas. He's explaining to Kashira the plan that he has, uh, both to draw our group of heroes in, but also to ultimately escape their clutches. And I'll go into that as we get to it, rather than uh, giving it out here. But if if you read this, you'll see what they're going to do. More importantly, though, is the fact that Gunji is very much disrespectful to Kashira. It's it's been building throughout the story. Till at one point he tells her after explaining his plans that that will finally place him as the head of the Nico Ninja clan. But Kashira will be able to stay as his consort, he says, um, kind of dismissingly as he pats the pillow next to him. And she leaves more than just a little upset because she has proven uh, very, very capable, perhaps even more so than Gunji. Uh, you'll be able to argue by the end of this particular tale. Cut to the forest where the Ninja Turtles, Jen and Usagi, are trying to track the Nico Ninja back to their hidden uh, base. Leonardo, having been the turtle that tracked the one ninja that escaped the uh, the spy session there, tracked him all the way back, and then went all the way back to the village. In the attack, most recent attack, rather, of the ninja clan on the village, Leonardo was injured. So he hasn't recovered from that injury, and he is leading them on this uh, march, as it were, uh, this sortie 
into enemy territory to locate the base of the enemy. He's suffering from having been injured. His uh, the, the injury is bleeding through the bandages, they say, and he, he hasn't completely gotten his wind back from everything, and so he's struggling to keep up, so much so that the turtles are talking amongst themselves, and uh, Donatello is asked to shadow Leonardo to keep him out of any further trouble, just to help him along. As they're continuing on, Jen is uh, getting frustrated because he believes that they're lost. He realizes that as they've been traversing, they've been moving back and forth, crossing their path, double-crossing their path, and he he feels that they're just lost. So he kind of traipses on his own off to the side a little bit, triggers a trap that shoots out bamboo darts, and we find out that only someone with a shell would have been able to survive one of the turtles uh, dove and and tackled Jen before the uh, bamboo darts were able to take him out. Shortly after that, they do come within sight of the ruined temple. As they scout around, they take out the different sentries that have been posted, uh, both quietly and actually not so quietly, I think. Having dispatched the final two that they have seen, they proceed on into the courtyard through a, a broken wall the courtyard of the former temple, and are immediately surrounded by 14, 16 ninja. So uh, they were lulled into a, a sense of security there. A battle ensues. The turtles, Jen and Usagi on one side, a rather large cadre of Nico ninjas on the other side. At a critical juncture, we find that Donatello has drawn a portion of the Nico Ninja away from Leonardo, finds himself sorely outnumbered, and just as they are about to press their attack and probably defeat Donatello, Leonardo jumps through the wall, takes out pretty much all of the ninjas there, and at that point Donatello realizes, you know, wow, I guess we really didn't need to watch over Leonardo to begin with. And I think a lot of times Leonardo of the Turtles is kind of the the leader of the four of them, if I recall. I might not be correct in that, but if that's the case, then he would, you know, by, by story, nature be the strongest, quote-unquote, of the four. Uh, as, there, as, as all this is going on, things kind of die down, giving Usagi a chance to kind of check things out for himself on the grounds there. And he sees some wagon uh, tracks that lead off, and he takes off after the wagon tracks. After all the ninja are dead is pretty much my understanding because they won't be questioned so the turtles pretty much had to kill them all well the turtles and Jen they take a breather and realize that Usagi's gone we move a little bit ahead both in time and distance and we see that Gunji Kashira and four the, the most four trusted followers of Gunji have taken Kakera in a disguise in a wheel cutter's cart, and they're wheeling it towards the nearest village. When they get to a clearing and uh, pretend like they're going to take a break, as Kashira is resting and and, uh, patting herself down with a a wet cloth while she's standing in the midst of this river to cool off, uh, she's in full regalia that really does not look like a woodcutter, so I don't know what she's playing at. I think perhaps the four ninjas are the woodcutters, and these two are just a a couple that is maybe a 
a step or so up the economic rung um, just by the way they're dressed, it seems to me. So perhaps these woodcutters work for this couple is, is how they're playing it. Anyway, she is taking a breather and she is surrounded by Gunji and the four Nico Ninja. They're going to kill her so that there is no challenge whatsoever to Gunji's um, leadership, t- taking leadership of the ninjas. Just as that starts, Usagi arrives. Uh, he is seen by the ninja Gunji tells the Nico clan members to go take care of Usagi. He himself, Gunji, will take care of Kashira. So we, we split up the fight. Uh, of course, Usagi being our protagonist, he really has very little difficulty with the ninjas, even though they are ninjas. And uh, again, uh, theoretically, these should be the four best other than Gunji and Kashira that are in the clan. So that doesn't say a whole lot for the clan. But Usagi dispatches them. Go back to the fight between Kashira and Gunji. He, uh, Gunji attacks first, slicing her staff in half. But the half that she holds onto is the half that contains a hidden blade, which she um, uses to attack Gunji. Several panels of them fighting back and forth, several panels of them taking their pound of flesh in the battle, and then there's uh, one, one of these classic uh, charges where the two charge and, and move past each other, and then you can just see if it were uh, on camera, they would charge past, and once they got past to each other, they would freeze, and then the loser would fall, and the loser tur- turns out to be Gunji. Kashira turns to Usagi, recognizes him, acknowledges him. Uh, You are Mayamoto Usagi, who aided our clan against Lord Tamakuro in the Dragon Bellow conspiracy. Uh, That was a question. I I didn't inflect it that way, but that's the way she presented it. Usagi acknowledges. She said, Shinjin, my brother, spoke most highly of you. His praise, though, did not do justice to your skill. And she lays a big lip lock on Usagi um, because she appreciates the help with the clan because she finds him attractive uh, accommodation it's hard to say Usagi needless to say is kind of taken back he's still beside himself standing there as she turns and walks off and says Kakeri is yours we have no more interest in him farewell we'll meet again and he finally gathers its wits and goes over to the cart looks at it jumps up to the top of the uh, the wood it looks like just um I want to say faggots, but that's not the right word for it. Um, Just many, many, many pieces of wood. Um, I'm trying to think of what the word, but it's not coming to me. Uh, But really what it is, is that's a foe on a a large cavity that is in the wagon that Kakara is in. They drugged him and dropped him down in there so they could transport him. So Usagi's okay. He's found Kakara. The turtles and Jin come up on him. Everything is okay. The The good guys won. We go back to the village, and the turtles are saying goodbye. Kakara runs his uh, mojo, and the turtles are transported back. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are transported back. And what we have left in their place are four of the Kame that uh, we originally started with. My thought is that the one took the place of the other rather than the the magic 
cause the one to morph into the other. So I think what they did is they just exchanged places in the universe. Wherever the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, their places were physically taken by these four regular turtles, vice versa. Jin and Usagi uh, say their goodbyes. We find that Jin is going to now head up north uh, in search of more bounty, uh, a province in the north that has been said that there is a high bounty there. Usagi says no, he'll continue traveling to the east on just his normal wanderings, his spiritual journey that he's undertaken. So they say farewell, and uh, we, we know pretty assuredly that they'll meet again. Now, Autumn, the young Usagi story, uh, starts out with a quarter-page panel of the mountains and in a three-quarter page panel of Usagi carrying a heavy basket on another one of those mountain paths with the mountain rising up on one side and a sheer drop on the other side. I don't know what those kind of paths are called, but a very high tension in movies and whatnot. Young Usagi stops, puts the bucket down, rubs his shoulder, wishes he says he wishes that the water was closer, that he didn't have to do this, it always takes so long, just, you know kind of young person fussing about having to work stuff. But he does stop, and he looks over the woods, and he says that uh, Akiona, autumn woman, is late this year. So there's a term that we are uh, are given. There's a couple other terms here that I failed to mention. One was abeyo, which is apparently so long, and it's termed that uh, gen throws to Usagi as he's moving away. There was another word here. Genin. G-E-N-I-N. Genin. Uh, which is foot soldiers. That's a, a term that Gunji throws out at Kashira when he's talking about taking over and leading the Nico clan. Uh, that's who he considers the Nico ninja that he's going to send to attack the village. They're the foot soldiers. All right, uh, back to young Usagi in autumn. So after stopping and looking out over the uh, the, the mountains, the, the vista that he can see there, he picks his bucket up and continues on his journey. Suddenly he loses his footing, falls over the sheer side, uh, quite a, a large fall by the, the panel here, wakes up out of the darkness and finds that he's in a cage. And through the cage he can see this other person... Uh, bending over, fussing with a person that is in a nearby cage as well. So there's two people there, apparently, he and this other person. And as Usagi yells to get the attention of his captor, the captor turns a little bit. And we see a profile and find out that it is a obikimono, a monster. Uh, looks like a big werewolf to me, if I had to describe it. So I guess it's the big bad wolf uh, has captured Usagi, and uh, not any pigs. That would be, who would that be? Zato Inu would be a pig in this universe. So the monster, the Abakamono, decides that he's going to focus on Usagi first because Usagi is creating the biggest fuss. And he lifts him up by the ears and plays with him a little bit, toys with his food, until finally Usagi kicks him right in the eye in pain. The Abakamono drops Usagi, and as he lunges at Usagi. Usagi jumps past, runs over to the other cage, and lets the other person out. And we find out the other person is the Akiona that the wolf has captured 
and um, tied up because he hates the cold and that without Oki Ono there to usher in the autumn, it will stay summer. It will stay warm. Well, Akiono uh, doesn't like the fact that she was captured. Uh, suddenly, she finds that she has powers. Um, I'm not sure how she was able to be caged in the first place with these powers, but ultimately what she does is it appears that she turns the Obikomono into leaves himself. And so he dissipates like leaves on the wind from his feet moving upwards. In the midst of this maelstrom, Usagi uh, finds it hard to breathe and then passes out because he can't breathe. Darkness again. And he is woken this time by Katsuishi, who realized that Usaki was late in coming back from his errand, went searching for him and found him. He helps Usagi up. Uh, they decide they're going to go get some tea at home. Tea, tea makes everything better at this, at this point. And as they're walking through, there's a third of a page panel here, where as they're walking, the autumn leaves are falling all around. And Ketsui says that the autumn leaves are particularly beautiful this year. And Usagi, as he's kind of running ahead, says, yes, Sensei, beautiful. So, interestingly enough, I thought that Usagi was saying that autumn wasn't coming at the appropriate time before he fell. But now autumn is coming at the appropriate time. So, I'm not sure what the what the shift in uh, in perspective was there all right do want to give uh, some feedback here that i've received a couple emails in fact both of them from darren and ruth sutherland in the first they say hi ed we just wanted to follow up and let you know what we think of the podcast i know i wrote earlier after our road trip when we listened to 20 plus episodes in a few days um that feedback i believe came by way of Twitter. I was mentioning they're very active on Twitter. Since that trip, we've continued to listen and enjoy the show. We just finished episode 36 this morning, so we still have quite a few to go before we're caught up. We like your format. Good summaries of the stories, very well described. It's easy to imagine the visuals. Nice the way that you review the characters at the beginning of each episode. We've followed Usagi Ojimbo sporadically over the years and have certainly read a large number of the issues, but probably not all of them. We're certainly enjoying your podcast, and we've enjoyed pulling out our issues to flip through after listening to an episode. We've also checked out the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo on Facebook based on your comments. Thanks for another good show, and have a great day. And that's uh, signed Darren. And the second one here is also uh, from Darren and Ruth Sutherland. It says, Hi, Ed. Ruth and I listened to episodes 50 through 52 of Ronan Rabbit over the weekend. We continue to enjoy your coverage of this fun series. Your summaries are clear and informative, and we enjoy flipping through our Usagi Ojimbo issues while you talk about the stories. A big congratulations on your 50th episode. A great achievement. We're now only three episodes away from being current on the podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, uh, DS and RS, as you are known on Twitter. And I believe I mentioned last episode, but I will mention again now, that the Sutherlands do a podcast themselves called Trekker Talk. It's not Star Trek. It's the Ron Randall creation, uh, Mercy St. Clair from Trekker Comics, is the topic of their podcast, Trekker Talk. Excellent uh, excellent quality, excellent coverage, some really cool uh, parts of, of the podcast, some nice features that they do every episode. It's a monthly 
podcast. So there are five episodes out as of the beginning of August, which means here in another week or so, they're probably going to drop another episode. It gives everybody that listens time to catch up. The episodes run roughly 45 minutes or so, if I recall. I don't recall exactly. I apologize. But they're not very long. But even if they are a little longer than you like, they're very well done and very well produced. Easy listening. Enjoyable listening also. All right, guys. Next time out will be Volume 2, Issue 4 from Mirage Publishing. Cover dated September 1993. Talk to you guys next time. Bye. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.